For as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. Good morning. Uh, I invite you to stand for the reading of the scripture. Today's scripture is uh, John 12, 12 to 16. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on those, who, on the ones who come in, come in the name of the Lord. Hail the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand at the time that this was the fulfillment of, of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. The word of the Lord. In Genesis. Welcome. My name's Becky Patton. If you attend here, um, or if you're new, I am. <laughs> that doesn't work. So um, we're going to go with plan B. You know, I never do this right, so would somebody just do that for me? Thank you. Um, oh, there's two of them. Didn't realize that. Okay. Do what? We're just going to try not to touch anything. <laughs> I'll just try not to touch it, although that's a really hard thing for me. Um, so I'll start again. Good morning, Genesis. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see you this morning. Thank you. Um, like pacifiers in pockets and pulling podiums apart. Well, okay. I am, when I'm, we're going to start right away today. Uh, Terry asked earlier how many of you knew what Palm Sunday was, that it was Palm Sunday. My question is, what does, what do you think of when we say Palm Sunday? I'll play. What? Palm branches. Donkey. Hosanna. What? Braiding? I have never done that. You braid them? Huh. Okay. That's new. I've never heard of that. Okay. Palm, braiding palm branches. How many have heard of braiding palm branches? Oh. Okay. Okay. I stand corrected, Bob. Thank you so much. Braiding palm branches is a part of Palm Sunday. Okay. What else? What else do you think of? Joy, it's time for what? 
it's time for Jesus to do what he came to do. What? Humility. It's the beginning of Holy Week. Foreshadowing. Pancakes. Yes, thank you, Dave. Okay, there's a lot of things we think about with Palm Sunday then, right? One of the things that I often think about that with Palm Sunday is I think, oh, this is the beginning of Holy Week. But why do I know it's the beginning of Holy Week? What am I thinking about? So come on, say it out loud. Easter, right? That's what we're thinking about. Well, what I'm going to ask you today, if you can do with me, is if you would risk for just a little bit, can we go back and experience something without remembering? Now, here's what I mean. Right now, we're reading this story, and we're thinking about Good Friday's coming up. We're thinking about Easter coming, right? Those things are coming. This is Holy Week. We're thinking about that. But when the people in the passage actually experienced this, they were experiencing it a day in the week of the celebration of Passover. There was no Easter. There was no Good Friday. They didn't know it was the beginning of Jesus coming. They didn't know that it was Jesus was getting ready to die on a cross. They didn't know that. They didn't know that. So I'm asking if you might be willing, let's step into, because what I see when I've started looking at this passage and I started hanging out in it, what I began to realize is, oh my goodness, this was a celebration. Now there's some clues in the text that tell me that. So I'm asking you right now if we can just take a few moments and step back into the experience and not into the whole story. Just to kind of wonder, what does it feel like to actually celebrate? And what did Jesus have to teach us about celebration? God, I just am so aware of the goodness of who you are. Like Terry said, the sunrise this morning was unbelievable. But I'm also aware that we as a people have so much to learn about celebrating life and about living fully as people who bear your image. So God, I pray that these next 15, 20 minutes hold some words of hope in the midst of all that we face so that we can live more aware of who you are and who we are made in your own image. Amen. So there's a couple clues I said in this passage, and one of the things we have in this passage, this experience, actually, is we have three different texts that tell us about it, Matthew, Mark, and John. As Anthony just read, um, he read out of John, but we have other perspectives. But the first word, what were the first words that Anthony read, the first three words Anthony read? The next day. So what is the next day giving us a clue to? There was something that happened the day before. It's in the text. It's telling us. It's an important piece. Well, the day before, if you go back and you look, was the day when Jesus actually had dinner at Lazarus' house. And does anybody remember what happened at Lazarus' house that was kind of controversial? Yes? Okay, 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 what? Well, Lazarus wasn't raised from the dead the day before. But you're right, Lazarus was, did raise from the dead, which is, people are really angry that, about the people following Jesus because of that. But what happened? Somebody said it over here. Yes, exactly, Jenny, thank you. Mary anoint, broke an alabaster jar of perfume over Jesus' feet. And 
and, and then began to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, as there's estimations of how big this thing was. We don't really know for sure, but there's anywhere from 6 to 12 ounces. That's a lot of perfume. And what happened is the disciples got really angry at him. But I want you to remember, this is a week where they're there. Historians estimate between 200,000 and 250,000 people pilgrimed, made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover every year. For the whole week, because of the fact they wanted to be clean by the time Passover came. So they're, they're coming for a whole week. Where else in life do you go and experience something, a celebration that is a whole week of preparation for the celebration? Super Bowl. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Yes. As the Blackhawks are flying over my house. <laughs> yes. Super Bowl. Anything else? What else? Weddings. Weddings can be celebrations that go on for a whole week, right? They are. I mean, Scripture, we know that. But also, some, when you have a destination wedding, yeah, there's something that's happening. So every event that happens is an important piece of this. So the next day, the thing that I think is so very important is there was something that Jesus experienced the day before this day that I want to say, suggest, was still lingering on him. If you've had a whole jar of perfume poured on your feet, do you think maybe the scent of the night before was still on Jesus? Maybe. Okay, then if you, if you can imagine that, you're in the experience. So when you think of celebration, what do you think of? What is celebration? What does it mean to you? I'll play, sorry. What does celebration mean? Gathering of people, being joyful, joy, somebody said over here too. Okay, anything else? What else? Food. Spending time with friends and family. Laughing. Oh, that's good, Sally. Yeah, there's a focus. There's a reason why you're there. So celebrating. Is celebrating something that is good? It is. Why is it good? Why is it good to celebrate? Does it make you happy? Yes, it does. Thank you. I just want her to come up here and dance for us. Um, yes, so Passover is what they're preparing for. That's what this week is about. Jesus is in the midst of celebrating something that every year people pilgrimage there to, to celebrate. And Jesus, I believe, is actually filled with joy, not dread. Now, how do I know that? I don't. But I'm using the text to recognize that Jesus sent his disciples, in the other passages, Jesus sent his disciples to go get a donkey. Has anybody in here ever ridden a donkey besides my husband? Oh, that's right. George, you did too. That's right. You have? What did you notice about riding a donkey? Can you stand up for me just a second? You're tall, right? Why was it uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very rocky. Thank you very much for being my example. Um, the reality is, is a donkey is lower in stature, but donkeys kind of get a bad rap. 
What do we think of when we think of donkeys? Stinky and stubborn, right? Yeah, that's the two S's. They're two S's. But the reality is, is donkeys tend to be the most stable animal out there. Donkeys also represent peace. Donkeys have ears that have the capacity to hear danger before anything, anybody else because their ears are so large, and that's why they stop and if there's any, even a remote chance of danger. So Jesus went and chose a donkey. Now, what's really interesting, he chose the donkey and he was going to ride in. He rides in on the east gate. From the east, from the east he rides in. Now, Jesus is of the peasant class. He is proclaiming peace, and he's entering through the east gate, riding into Jerusalem intentionally on a donkey. Well, guess what else was happening at the same time? Pontius Pilate was entering through the west gate with an imperial cavalry and soldiers. He's a ruler. He's showing his power during a Jewish festival because guess what? There's lots more people there now, so what do I need to do? I need to show the power of who your ruler is. And the thing that a lot of times it's hard for us to climb into is according to the Roman doctrine of the time, the emperor was not simply the ruler of Rome. He was considered the son of God. Allow yourself to be in that experience just for a moment. Jesus is on a donkey. He is of the people. It's the first time Jesus has declared that he is actually king of the Jews. And he is choosing to ride in from the east. Is this east? Does anybody know? Okay, thank you. That's good. It's good. It's east. Okay, we'll go. This is east. Oh, shoot. I can't do that way. Okay, so this way is east right now. Be with me in the experience because I'm directionally challenged all the time. Um, so Jesus chooses to come in intentionally from the east, riding a donkey that is a symbol of peace that he's coming towards in the midst of a celebration, and he's, he's riding in at the very time Pontius Pilate is riding in on a horse, surrounded by military, surrounded by swords, surrounded by leather get-up, and making all this big noise coming in showing, I am the Son of God. I am the ruler. And you're the people that are right in the middle. This is a celebration, remember? It's a celebration. If we're going to experience this story, we still need to remember there's no Easter. There's no Good Friday. In this moment, you're literally between the east and the west and two different people declaring, I am the king. What kind of person, what do you do, how do you act in the midst of that? And this is your week of celebrating the Passover, which what is the Passover actually about? I'll play. What is that Passover? Sorry, I have to keep reminding. I'll play. It's in my head I'm saying it. But what is Passover? Freedom? Leaving Egypt? Mm -hmm. being saved from peril 
Did everybody hear that? That it's, it's real, there's this play, there was this time in history when there was a mark of blood over the doorpost that literally saved the people of Israel as they were leaving Egypt. It empowered them to walk out together. And every year, every year, 200 to 250,000 people just, they just, they just come to Jerusalem to celebrate this and to remember. It is a feast. It is a party. It is fun. It is joyful. They are celebrating something. And you've got these people that are right between the east and the west seeing the plays of power. What do you do? What do you do when you see peace coming and you also see power coming? Dallas Willard is one of my favorite um, authors, and although I have to say I like to hear him speak more than I like to read him because I have to keep a dictionary next to me when I'm reading him, but um, when I heard him speak one time, he said, um, I don't believe that Jesus came to show us who God is. If he did, that'd be an ego trip. I believe Jesus came to show us who we are as human beings capable of being. So I want you to think about this element of as Jesus is coming in, suddenly the people began to respond. And there were two different responses that happened in the midst of celebration that I think are important in the text for us to look at. One is there were people that actually heard about Jesus coming. I mean, Jesus, Jesus had, had kind of done some big things up to this point. And so there were people that heard about it. And so they went out into the fields and they cut palm branches that they might later braid. I don't know. <laughs> but what does it take? What kind of effort did they have to put into that to cut a palm branch down? They had to climb a palm tree, one, yep. What else? You have to saw it off. Has anybody ever tried to take a palm leaf down? They're, they're stalks. So they had to bring something to be able to cut it down, right, Pam? They had to do that. What else? They had to do it in advance, and then they brought it with them, right? So that's one type of celebrator, I would say, who goes, oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to ride. I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that celebration. So they chose to do that. Now, the other ones were the cloak throwers. Now, we don't see this in this passage. What we see it is in Matthew and Mark, and they say that the, the people threw their cloaks on the ground for Jesus to walk over. What does it take to be a cloak thrower? What? Selflessness? Your cloak's going to get dirty. Yeah, I mean, you have a donkey walking on it. Yeah. No, they didn't, did they, Katie? They didn't have a lot of cloaks. And guess what a cloak was in, in, the, in the scriptures? A cloak was literally a mantle of covering. It was your blanket. It was your source of carrying things. It was your protection from the sun. It was your main possession. A cloak was like your identity. So here's, I'm going to ask this question again. What would it take to throw your cloak down? 
Ooh, abandon. Thank you, Sherry. Sacrifice. Where did that voice come from? Trust. Yes. What are you trusting? Hmm. Jesus. I um celebrating is something that um, another one of my favorite authors, Mike Mason, says this. I'm convinced what keeps us from truly celebrating life and moments of joy is a lingering resentment of God. And here's the thing is, is I, I like to celebrate. Anybody who knows me knows I like to celebrate. I, I, I'm a good partier. Um, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> Too late. Can you edit that out, whoever's doing this today? Yeah, um, I do love to celebrate things. I have, I have this beautiful um, opportunity every time I go to see my daughters who live, my, both of my da- our daughters live on different continents. So every time I go, it's this huge celebration to see them. But I want to say also one of the things I experience over and over and over again is in the moment of seeing them, I realize I'm going to have to say goodbye to them. So celebration, I want to say, involves a risk. There is a sadness that goes with it. But if I stay there, I'm going to miss the celebration. And the celebration is so important. The throwing off your cloak. We just, my husband and I just got back from visiting our daughter. And when we go visit them, you just need to recognize that here's two old people entering into young lives. Um, so we went to go see Jeremy Loops. Anybody ever heard Jeremy Loops' music? I'm so sorry. Oh, one person has. Yes. Um, great South African singer. We went to his concert, and we're out on this garden. And it is like we're with 6,000 people, 6,000 people, and we're at this concert. And I will say that my husband and I raised the average age a little bit. Um, but there was a moment when everybody started dance, stood up and started dancing to this music. And he's singing. He grew up going through Nelson Mandela's um, apartheid. The words of his song were bringing up in people this celebration of freedom and unity. And the, the words of the song lifted everybody up off of the ground, and they began to dance. And I noticed I got up, and I looked around, and suddenly I realized I was dancing. Now, this 57-year-old body was doing 21-year-old moves, that probably should have been left behind, to be really honest with you. I grew up in the disco era, um, if that gives you any hint. But the, but the reality was, is it didn't matter. I threw off my ego in that moment, and I danced with utter joy with everybody around me. And in that moment, what I knew is I, because I was holding this sermon, I went, God, when we throw off our cloak, we get to experience something of what you actually intended coming in on that east side. You came in wanting to show us in the face of power, in the face of things that don't always work out the way we want them to, in the face of persecution and struggle, I do believe you can celebrate 
moments of joy. And if you choose to ride with me, if you choose to throw off your cloaks, then you know what? I will be the king that will walk with you. I will suffer with you. I will engage with you. I will be in those places with you. I am the son of God. I am one who will go with you. But you must celebrate life. Celebration doesn't come to those who sit around waiting until life gets better. Celebration is discovered, tasted, felt, and seen by those who grab hold of its pro-offered hand in order to face life with all the struggles that are real. Every single one of us today, if I asked every single one of you to stand up and tell me what you're struggling with, it would be enormous. We all have struggles. We all have ways in which it is hard to throw off that cloak But there are times, what I think is so beautiful about this passage, those people that went and took their saw and went to the fields and cut down a palm branch, I often wonder, were they doing that because they're like, God, I don't even know where you're at right now. But I want to believe in this Jesus. So I'll lay my palm branch down. I wonder if those cloak bearers were people that just went in the moment. They saw and experienced something of hope and celebration in the face of power and suppression of who they were. And they said, no, I'm going to take off my cloak. I'm going to throw it down because you know what? I choose that. I choose that king because that king will walk with me. So today, Genesis, today's Palm Sunday, it is the beginning of Holy Week. There is more to come, but my question is, will you celebrate life with Jesus in the midst of whatever it is you're facing? It may be small, little, tiny celebration. It may be celebrating your breath. But make no mistake. That's choosing to lay down a palm branch or take off a cloak. We're going to go into 60 seconds of silence. And then we'll read the prayers of response.